0: For those who may be new, let me give you a little backdrop. <laughs> if you knew my story. If you, if you understood how God turned it around. How, how, how he took me and he placed my feet on solid ground. And that's why God allows me to stomp. Because let me tell you something, he is that good. He is that good. Amen. Amen. And here's another thing. Please understand that, you know, every day we wake up and we think about all it is that God asks of us, requires of us. We, we walk through and we think about what we need to do and what's coming up next. But when is the last time that you've just stopped and for taking a few minutes and just celebrate, amen, celebrate who God is and what God is doing in your life. Amen. He is so, so good. Woo! Just makes me want to stomp, sis. Just makes me want to stomp. My throat's giving me a little bit of a fit, so if you see this, please just know it's got to be. Amen. <laughs> we are currently still in Luke 4 Lent, and today the subject is women who walk with Jesus. And the message out of our text today is change your perspective, change your life. Change your perspective, change your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am just so thankful where the spirit of the Lord is. Anything is possible. Father God, my prayer today is let them who have ears, let them hear So, Father God, the word that is the seed, Lord God, it will go implanted into the good soil. And you promised us, Lord God, that it would uh, produce a hundredfold, a harvest, Father God, ripe for the picking. Father God, we need you right now. You alone are center stage. You alone, Father God, deserve the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. amen. (laughs) All right. <laughs> can, can you imagine how difficult that it must have been to be a woman during Jesus' time on earth? Women in Jesus' time were treated less than a second-class citizen. A woman would step outside of her home and no man would have a conversation with her. Not even her husband. Now, ladies, I got to tell you that back then they didn't have cell phones, so we we couldn't pick up the phone and we couldn't text, and I couldn't be like, girl, please, something's got to change. If a woman wanted to go into the synagogue and learn the Torah, they were told, absolutely not. If the women wanted to teach the Torah, men said, that is for our position only. Men wrote the rules and women had no voice to change them. I can only imagine how demeaning and how hurtful and how invisible and how powerless it had to make the women feel. Not to be seen the way that they wanted to be seen. Not to be heard the way that they wanted to be heard. And then one day Hallelujah. Something happened. Jesus, a rabbi, comes into the town, and he turns their world upside down. Because what Jesus did was something that that time, that community, absolutely did not do. When a woman would approach a man, they were not to be spoken to, let alone be touched. But when women approached Jesus, he saw them, he spoke to them, he assigned value to them. And not only that, but he touched their infirmities, he healed their hearts, and are you ready for it? He even discipled them in the Torah. Shut up. Never in their life had they ever been loved by a man the way that Jesus was loving them in that time. So listen, in Jesus doing this, he elevated and lifted the status and the value and the worth of women to an unprecedented height. Jesus was indeed, are you ready for it? A champion of women's rights. Hallelujah! Let's get a hand clap for Jesus. (laughs) Jesus, through his love for them, was changing their perspective, Dara. Because in changing their perspective uh, and, and not looking at the world and all the limitations that it was putting on, they were therefore giving themselves permission to change. And when they gave themselves permission to change, it therefore changed the very course of their lives. Change your perspective. Change your We're getting there, Doc. We're getting there. Let's take a look at the scripture. And Luke 8, 1 and 2, as we begin here, it says, Soon afterward, Jesus began to tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. What is the good news? The good news is that we can be forgiven of our sin, that we can go ahead and walk in peace knowing that we have a God who sent his son into the world so that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, we will live with him for all eternity in paradise. I don't know about you, but that is some good news. He took his 12 disciples with him along with some women Who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. So I must ask the question how did these women who had been instructed and trained that this was something that they had not been empowered to do their whole lives now step out in faith? This was something that had been ingrained in their mind and ingrained in their heart. And they were told no over and over and over again. But all of a sudden, Jesus steps onto the scene and says, you are worthy, my daughter. Let's go. Let's go into the towns and preach the gospel. Now, we all know that change is difficult. Can we, can we get an amen? Amen. Change does not come easy. In fact, sometimes change is is scary, isn't it? And how do we know that? How many times have we been given opportunities in our lives to move from point A to point B, knowing that where we want to go is better than where we are, but yet we stay the same? But yet in our fear, we are unwilling to make the changes and the choices in our life, even though we are empowered to do so. Now, I can't speak for you. But I'm very, very good about giving myself excuses as to why changes can't happen. So starting it this year, I said to myself, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to go to the gym. And I'm going to work out. I'm going to get healthy. And then this is what happened. I'm really tired, though. And then the next day, well, it's too cold out there. And then two or three days later, I was like, well, I'll go tomorrow. Right? Right? Isn't that what we do? And then what happens is we stay right where we're at because we are unwilling to make the changes to go where God is calling us to go. So here's my question. What is God trying to bring you into that you are allowing yourself to be talked out of? I'm going to say it again. What is God speaking into you, trying to bring you out of that you are allowing yourself to be talked out? Out of. Ooh. These women not only gave themselves the permission to change, but they knew that they had to change their perspective because in order to be able to move forward, you have to be able to know that what is ahead of you, God has already prepared you for. The world is telling you that you can't, but God is telling you that you can. Mm. I can only imagine it says here that they had to have said, oh, yes, I can. Can you imagine after that and they're traveling with Jesus and a man from a village comes up and says, hey, uh, woman, uh, you need to. And she says, hey, 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 hey. Jesus says, oh, yes, I can. Women, say it with me. Oh, yes, I can. Again, oh, yes, I can. And guess what, men, you're not left out of the loop. Because God is telling you also, don't look to the world and let the world limit you on what God has called you to do and to be. So God is saying the same thing to you. Oh, yes, I can. Oh, come on. You can do better than that. Oh, yes, I can. Did you hear that, Doc? Woo. Yes, we can. Nancy, oh, yes, we can. Here's the thing. When Jesus came, he defeated our enemy. He overcame sin and death. There is nothing that that the enemy could ever do to take away what God has given you in your relationship with God. Amen? But can I tell you what he can do? Huh? The enemy can come and discourage you. And the enemy will come to distract you. He wants to discourage you and to distract you. From understanding what God has for you and what he has promised to you, Kelly. Don't let him do it. Don't let him do it. And here's the thing. In order for any of us to receive God's promises that he has made to us, we must choose to move beyond the limitations and the lies that the enemy is speaking to us. You know why? Because he's holding your freedom in Christ Jesus hostage. He is holding your future hostage because we don't want to change our perspective. We want to hold on to the lie versus being willing to move forward and grab on to the truth and say to God, boy, this is scary, but yes, I can. I don't care how hard it is and the tears are coming, but I'm going to move forward. Oh, yes, I can. Woo! I don't know about you, but I want to move forward. I don't know about you. But I want to have God's perspective so that I can receive all that God has for me. And speaking of all that God has for us, let's take a look at this scripture. This is one of my favorites. And I make it personal. It's something that I want to encourage all of you, if you don't do, is that when you have opportune time, put your name on it. Because God is calling you by name. So I'm going to read it first. God speaking, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, not to hurt or harm you, but to give you a future and a hope. And let me tell you something, when I am scared, when I am afraid, I go back in and I put my name on it. For I know the plans that I have for you, O oh daughter, Bonnie, says the Lord, not to hurt or harm you, but to give you a future and a hope. God is calling us to put our name on his promises. So here's the question that I have for you. Do you believe that promise? You believe that that promise is for you? Then you know what we got to do? We got to do what Pastor John told us to do last week. We got to get excited over the word. We got to be able to stand up and we got to be able to say, Thank you, God, for the future that you have for me. What the enemy said for evil, God meant for my good. I will stand up, I will move forward, and I will receive all that God has for me. Don't forfeit your future and your hope so listen in order to give ourselves permission to change and to change our perspective we've got to do it by transforming our minds amen Amen. so let's take a look at the word we always want to go to the word it says don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing what Oh, come on, we can do better than that by changing what? Change your perspective. We can do better than that. Change your perspective. Then you will learn to know God's will. When you change your perspective, then you will learn. When you change your perspective, then you will learn and know God's will for you. Anybody here want to know God's will for you? Come on now. And here's what I love. Believe it, receive it, stomp on it. Which is good, pleasing, and perfect. God's will for you, God's will for me, God's will for us is good, pleasing, and perfect. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Mm we got to learn to talk to ourselves on purpose. Do not look at me funny if you see me in the church talking to myself. Don't be going to go, she's where? <laughs> wow. You've got to talk. Can I tell you why? Because the enemy is talking to you all day long. Bible, it says that he accuses the brethren day and Night. So what is it that you've got to say to him? Can I tell you what I say to him? I love it. Are you ready? Ladies, are you ready? Shut up and sit down. Shut up and go somewhere. You want to know why? Because anything that he tries to say to me, God's word trumps it. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. I love the fact that I'm hearing you all talk back, knowing the word of God. Here's a quote, I want you guys to to see this. We have the power to encourage ourselves by speaking the truth into our situation, into your need, into the lives that you love and care about. You want to know why? Because when God leads you out of the darkness, He's leading you into the marvelous light. And because we're connected to each other, because God is calling us to be the body of Christ, that when we serve, Please understand that when I'm being led into the marvelous light, come on up here, sis. Dara, come on up here. Come on. Come on. Run on up here and stop. Come on. So if I'm following Jesus, if I'm changing my perspective, if I'm moving and Dara is connected to me because she's my sister's keeper, right? That where she's at and I'm like, I'm going to the light. No, 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 no. I'm going to light. No, you're going with me. No, you're going with me. Thank you, sis. Can I just speak to the house? Don't we need each other? Aren't we all in times needing someone to speak a word into us? Aren't we at times at a place where we are weak? It doesn't matter what position. It doesn't matter how much we love God. All of us are going through something. All of us get to a place where we need someone to wrap their arms around us and say, sis, brother, it's going to be all right. Come on now, speak. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Let's take a look at this quote. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this. Our problem is that we spend too much time listening to ourselves and not enough time speaking to ourselves. Has anybody ever woken up on any given day and before you know it, two or three hours have passed and you've already had multiple conversations going on in your head? (laughs) Oh, come on, I know I'm not the only one. And the battle rages, doesn't it? The battle rages. But here's the thing. Let let me share with you. Can, Can I just be real and transparent? Ministers and pastors and all the people that serve We go through our struggles and we go through the battle too. When my sisters left yesterday from women's ministry and I was preparing this word, something that the enemy has always spoken to me throughout my life is you are inadequate. You are never going to be enough. And so I was upstairs. Can I just be real? And I was crying. And I said... Heavenly Father, speaking to myself, Heavenly Father, help me. Help me. And do you want to know what happened? <laughs> he showed me that all of my life, because I didn't have a father in the house where a father could wrap his arms around me and, and, and hold me and hug me, I, I am so independent, okay, that, that I know that God is for me, but, but I, don't, I don't run to him enough. And, and in the quietness of that moment, as tears were streaming down my face, Kiyoki, he said, Bonnie, can I, can I just hold you? Can I just wrap my arms around you and let you know that everything is going to be okay? And that the world is telling you that you are inadequate, but I'm telling you that you are more than enough? Amen? And please don't mistake that, that Bonnie's up here with these sparkly boots saying, I'm all that in a bag of chips. That's not what I'm saying. Well, (laughs) no, what I'm saying is, is that all of my life I've looked for people to put their stamp of approval on me, to, to assign the value to me. And God said, no, you're more than enough because I've assigned your value. You're more than enough, and what I've called you to, you're more than able to do it because I'm going to give you the strength to do it. It was a beautiful moment being able to speak to the Lord, and he came, and he wrapped his arms around me and spoke right back. Amen? Amen. Amen. Perspective creates opportunities to grow, it creates opportunities to step out. All you got to do is look through the entire word of God to see all of the women and all of their roles, to realize that when we change our perspective, when we hear the truth of the word of God, it does empower us to step out by faith and change the world. Ladies, we are changing the world. Amen. Amen. But here's the thing, you can have the wrong perspective and hinder what God is trying to do. So God wants you to change your perspective. His challenge is for us to align his perspective with his. One of my favorite scriptures is this, Proverbs 23:7. For as a man thinks in his heart, your heart is where your thoughts and your will and your emotions live. As a man thinks in his heart, so shall he become. As Benjamin thinks in his heart, so shall he become. As Bonnie thinks in her heart, what I think about myself, so shall I become. Do you want to know how we know that? Because it is proven that our thoughts and our actions are determined. uh, what, What we do is determined by our thoughts and actions. So if you have a thought, then whatever you decide moves you forward. So that's why God is saying to us, listen. You've got to make sure that you understand that your attitude and your beliefs about who you are, the outlook that God has about you, all of your mindset, it partners with our faith. That's why God says you've got to give that mindset to me so that I can move you forward. And here's a question for you. How can our faith in God and his promises for us come to fruition if we're not going to believe what he says about us? Come on, sis. You come into the house of God, you ask God for what it is that he has for you, but yet you walk out in unbelief. The children that were led into the desert, God had already promised them the land, all they needed to do was believe. But you know what happened? When it was time for them to cross over, they said, we be not able. We be not able? Looking at all that God had done, has anybody here in the house ever done that? Where you've come to a situation and God is saying, trust me, do not be afraid. And you say, I be not able. Please do not miss what it is that God is trying to do for you. Amen? You know, at one point, I kind of shared a little bit. At one point in my life, I felt that I was invisible, that I I didn't matter. And here's what happens with that. When we look to the world, okay, to assign value, as we're walking around and we're not turning to God, we are feeling unappreciated. We are feeling uncelebrated. We are feeling unnoticed. And ultimately, we are feeling insignificant. That our lives do not matter. And the problem with that is is that the world associates with what's seen with significance. The world looks at what they can see and then they assign value and say, that is significant. But here's the problem with that. Why do we spend so much time pursuing the world, all of our resources? It's because it's telling us the lie that that is what makes us valuable, that that is what assigns our purpose. But can I tell you something? What the world gives to you, the world can take it away. But with God, with God, what he has for us, it's intangible. So with God, when I say I know that I am, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, you can't take that away from me. You can't take that away from me because that's the truth of the word of God, sis, that I now know for myself. I now have God's stamp of approval, and the world can't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. What does it profit to gain the whole world, and yet lose your own soul? We can leave this earth, and can I tell you something? When you when you're at your funeral, there is no U-Haul attached. (laughs) There's no U-Haul attached. We came from dust, and to dust we will return. But the word of God says that the part of us that is made in the image and likeness of God, his spirit, it will live on forever. When Jesus was on the cross and he was uh, surrounded by thieves and the thief had a repentant heart, Jesus' response was, he said, today, because you've humbled yourself, today, because you've recognized who I am, today, you will be with me in paradise. Mm. You know, I. <laughs> one of the things that I've always wanted uh, when I was a kid, we, 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 when I say the word poor, we didn't have cars, okay, amongst other things. And so as a kid, I would always see these cars, and I'm like, ooh, one day I'm going to have a Corvette. <laughs> or one day I was like, ooh, I'm going to have a, a Challenger. I always loved the Challenger. Well, a couple years ago, God blessed me with a desire of my heart. He gave me a Challenger. You know, and, and so I'm in the Challenger one day, and, and, and there's a, a, a little green flag. I know nothing about it. Okay. The, the flag, when you hit it, it takes you from like zero to 80 in three seconds. <laughs> Pastor John, I know nothing about the flag. Okay. But what was interesting is, is that as I'm leaning, and I'm listening to my tunes, you know, makes me want to stop. All of a sudden, I realized that I was allowing the car to kind of make me feel like I was just something. Is anybody with me? And so, and so I had to stop. I had to stop, and I said, you know what, Lord? I said, whether I have this car or I don't have this car, it, it can never, ever, ever take away what is most valuable in my life, and that is you. And so that's why it's so important that you just understand, please do not let the world lie to you and try to tell you that what it has to offer is what's assigning you your value and your worth and your purpose. Your identity is not in the world. It is in Christ Jesus. Man, don't think that I left you out. (laughs) You go to the gym and you pump iron, Hoping for someone to say, hey, can I, can I get tickets to the gun show? Yeah. You, you, you don't ever have anybody walking up to you and being like, yo, bro, the dignity that you are exemplifying is big gains. Because the world, the world associates what is seen with significant. But that is not how God operates when when Israel needed a new king and the prophet went to Jesse's house all the the sons were, were were lined up right and so the prophet is looking at all of them and he came to a particular son and immediately he was like oh this has got to be the one because his stature is 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 broad shoulders and and handsome and, hi husband uh and so he, 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 goes, he goes to God and he's like, he's got to be the one. And God said, mm, no. Because man looks at the outward appearance and values what they see. But God looks at the, oh, oh we got some Bible readers. But God looks at what? Hmm. God looks at the heart. It's amazing how the world celebrates and elevates the gifts and the talents that people have, totally ignoring the condition of their hearts. We can be screaming our hearts out for someone who within their heart has hatred for their fellow brother and their sister. We walk into a business and we will walk right past a janitor, whether it be him or her, because ahead of us, we see the CEO. And we think that if we can just get into their presence and have a conversation, that whether you realize it or not, somehow that's going to assign some value to who you are because the CEO was willing to have a conversation with you. But, but can I tell you something? Let the bathroom run out of toilet paper. Adia, you know I'm telling the truth Let the bathroom run out of toilet paper Who are you going to be seeking out then? You'll walk right past the CEO Hey, get out of my way I'm looking for the janitor Because the janitor is important now The janitor is going to meet my need now This is what God wants me to say to you There is absolutely no one That God values more than you. The Bible says that he is no respecter of persons. Do you hear me? No respecter of persons. There was a day that I used to think that when a person had this job or this position or they had this, that, and the other, that they were more valuable than me. That they had more to offer than me. But that's not what the word of God says. The word of God says he is no respecter of persons that each and every one of us in this room was created in the image and likeness of God to reflect his glory. What I loved about our particular scripture, if you noticed, all the women had different roles. Every single one of the women did different things. One gave of their finances, one gave of this, and it's because God is trying to teach you and show you every single one of us has our part in the kingdom of God. And every single one of us, whatever it is that God has placed in you and for you, it is for you. Quit looking to your neighbor and comparing. That is what the enemy wants you to do. Do you want to know why? Because when we live in comparison, Heather, we will never, ever, ever fulfill our destiny. Amen? Oh, I love the word. (laughs) God sees you. He sees you. He sees you in your situation. He sees you in your circumstance. He sees you when you're on the mountaintop celebrating, and he sees you in the valley when you're crying. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He loves you. God simply wants your heart because he created us to be in relationship with him. And guess what? We all have access to God, let's take a look at this scripture. <laughs> Why does He want our heart? It's right here. Then Christ, who came to earth and died so that we could be born again and live forever, says, Then Christ will make His home in your heart as you trust in Him. Your roots will grow deep into God's love and keep you strong. Anybody need God's love to keep you strong? Oh, my goodness, yes. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. And then what does it tell us? When you've experienced the love of Christ and he's made his heart your home, there's the word. What does it say? Woo, say it again. Then. It says then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. The world will not ever be able to make you complete. See, here's what else that we do too. We look to the people next to us to the left and to the right that are in our lives, whether it be church family, whether it be a husband, whether it be friends, and what we do is we, we look to them to do what only God can do. And, and here's the thing, the person next to you is just as broken as you are. <laughs> we're, we're, all, we're all, we've all sinned and fallen short. We all have the same need for Christ. And then what we do is when the person, when our friend, when the person to the left or right fails us, then we want to get mad. We want to get mad, and then what happens is is there's strife, and there's no peace within the relationships. God, God is not happy, but can I tell you who is pleased? Come on. The enemy knows that there is power in unity, and he knows that when we are united, he is defeated. The story that precedes our passage shows us why the condition of our heart, why we need to change our perspective is so incredibly important. In fact, I'm going to dare say it's a matter of life and death because it is. In Luke chapter 7, 36 through 50, a Pharisee comes along and invites Jesus to his home. He doesn't offer him any water to wash his feet. Jesus. He doesn't offer him any oil to anoint his head. This is, this is Jesus. But the Pharisee must have thought that he was really something. Because it was a normal practice that when you invite people in, that you would offer those things. So he must have just been a spectator. He didn't really want a relationship. He didn't really want to know Jesus. While he's reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, the Bible says that a very sinful woman kicks in the door, literally, Well, it doesn't say those words. (laughs) But what it does say is it says that she came uninvited and unwanted. And when she got into the house, she didn't care what anybody around her thought because she knew that only Jesus could do for her what nobody else could do. And it says that. She anointed his feet and kissed them, and she was crying so much that she took her hair, which was the adornment of a woman, and it says that she was down on her hands and knees, and she was just taking her hair and wiping his feet. And all the while that's happening, because of a humble and a contrite heart, understanding and knowing who Jesus was and what Jesus had done for her, on the other side of the room, the Pharisee, full of arrogance and pride, says to himself, if Jesus was truly who he says he is, a prophet, he would know who's touching him. Why would he allow a, a, a woman, a, a sinner, to, to touch him like that? And, 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 and don't miss it. Jesus responded to him. <laughs> he thought it. Jesus responded, every thought that you have, God knows about it. Nothing can be hidden from him. And Jesus responded to both of them saying this, I tell you, her sins that are many, they've been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little can only show a little love. Then Jesus says the most powerful, impactful, life-changing words that she could have ever heard in her life. Woman, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Is it possible for two people to be in the presence of Jesus and one heart be changed and one heart be left untouched? The story tells us the answer is yes. Do not leave his presence remaining broken. Don't leave stuck in your excuses, in your pride, stuck in your fears, refusing to change stuck in your unwillingness to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, we're here one day but gone tomorrow. I I hate to tell you, but it's scary, isn't it, that in our pride we get up and we think we're going to make it home. It is only until we become desperate enough To humble ourselves, to get at his feet, to eat the word of God like like Popeye's chicken. Your heart will never change and you will never change your perspective. Did I say that? (laughs) I must be hungry. (laughs) We have got to be willing to humble ourselves. Amen. God is saying to you right now and and this is is what he said to me because of my experience that I had with him yesterday as he met me right where I was at. He says this, I know who you are. I see you. I created you in my image and my likeness, and no matter what you have been through, no matter what you are going through, I am greater than your need because I have called you by name now I'm going to ask you to do something and you don't have to do it but I'm going to ask I would love for you to close your eyes and I'm going to say something to you amen imagine Jesus is standing in front of you right now his presence is beyond anything that you could ever imagine he is looking at you and he is smiling He he looks into your eyes and he holds his gaze. He steps closer and he says these words, My son, my daughter, I love you. I want to heal you and restore everything that the world has taken away from you. Will you let me do that for you? Amen. Amen. Listen, the step further, what these women taught us is it says that the women that were traveling with him had been healed. Are you with me? When we become healed, when God restores us, what happened? Jesus then said what? Go with me. Because now that you're healed, you can go on and you can now heal someone else. Healing people help people. Hurting people hurt people. God is calling us. He says, listen, we are to walk in love. We are to take every opportunity that we can to lift up our brother and our sister. We have got to do whatever it takes to bring and facilitate the same touch that God gave us to our brothers and sisters. So the one that lifted me up when I was down will lift you up. I'm speaking to myself. I hope you're catching it. The one who preached the good news to me that I am no longer bound to sin and to death, the same Christ will be able to set you free. I am no longer poor, but I am rich. I am no longer weak because in him I am made strong. The past no longer cripples me. I refuse to allow anything to stop me from walking my promises out because I am a woman walking with Jesus. None of us are victims to any situation or circumstance, whether it is your past, whether it is your present whether it is your future, because God is with you. Can I, can I just tell you? I'm going to go transparent again. When I was, when I was a, a young girl, I had a swim coach, and unfortunately, he took advantage. I'll, I'm going to say those words. I think the adults know where I And what happened from that is, all of my life I was in a place where I didn't feel what God wanted me to feel, and all through my life, every time that I felt God was knocking on the door of my heart, I was so busy a victim to the circumstances that one day I was at my old job, and a woman was teaching a class, and when I got back to my, cl- or my desk, this is what happened, the Holy Spirit, Larry, met me right at that desk, and can I tell you what he said to me? He said, Bonnie, God loves you, and he wants to move you forward, but he said, you cannot You cannot be a victim and victorious at the same time! There's someone in this house today, because I can hear it in the spirit, there's someone in the house today that something has happened to you, something is happening to you, and you do not believe that God is for you, that he is with you, that he is going to take you through it. The enemy is a liar. You are not a victim. God is greater than your circumstance. I want to see each and every one of you, all of God's daughters, all of God's sons. I want to see you lifted up. I want to see you healed. I want to see you restored to the rightful place in the kingdom of God. Why? Because he has done the same for me. Amen? Amen. You're chosen. You're celebrated. You're significant. And you matter. Having God's perspective for your life changes everything. Change your perspective. Change your life. That's what I'm talking about. One of my favorite movies, and we're going to close. One of my favorite movies is The Keela and the Bee. Has anybody ever seen that? Love it. In this particular scene, a young lady is, is desiring to win this very prestigious spelling bee. But the coach knows that, that, that the background and, and, and her circumstances have been speaking lies to her telling her that she is not able to do this so he knows that he's got to somehow in some way find a way to change her perspective let's take a look have you uh have you got any goals hmm goals what would you like to be when you grow up a doctor a lawyer a stand-up comic I don't know. The only thing I'm good at is spelling. Go over there and read the quotation that's on the wall. Read it aloud, please. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. Does that mean anything to you? It's written in plain English. What does it mean? That I'm not supposed to be afraid. Afraid of what? Afraid of... me. Ladies in the house, hear me. When Jesus had something to say, he would say, listen, hear me. You are more powerful beyond measure. The word of God says, and what God says is, you are brilliant, you are gorgeous. (laughs) You are talented, and you are fabulous. Do not let anything to keep you from doing what God has called you to do, all of us, both the men in the house and the women. God created us. We are created in his manifest glory so that when we shine our light, we unconsciously allow others to do the same. Amen? Change your perspective.